Hey, welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here, just back from Alaska. Uh, flew in late Friday night, uh, about midnight or so, and just sitting in my slippers in decompression mode and wanted to throw a quick podcast up. Uh, give you a little brief breakdown of my take on everything. Uh, definitely big thanks to everybody who took the class up in Alaska. Three awesome classes in a row. Uh, really fantastic, um, y- you know, just the learning aspect, the training aspect, what they got out of it, what I got out of it to modify my program a little bit. Um, as you may be able to tell, my voice is a little bit gone as I come back into this whole decompression thing. Uh, it's just my voice is nuked. But um, thanks to Mark, uh, great class, great, uh, you know, banter back and forth with the instruction. You had Mark do the two podcasts with us. Uh, Mark was my platoon sergeant in the Marine Corps. He's the guy who sort of defined uh, what Frank's like right now in a lot of ways, both from a shooting aspect and almost from a personality aspect. Uh, But, um, you know, then to all the students, guys were great, man. They were sponges. They were receptive. They were fun to be around. And finally, I want to say thanks to everybody uh, at the Sheep Creek Lodge. The Sheep Creek hosts us. They take care of us. They do all kinds of things. Um, Molly and Jesse there, the owners and their staff is just fantastic. You want for nothing when you go there. It's really, really good. And I can't wait to get back and and do some more. Uh, We got three more blocks of classes in July. And then we got two events going on in September, October. So that's going to be really good to get back up there. I mean, Alaska is is really, really great territory for, um, for doing this. And it's so dynamically different from down here. Up there, we're creating more marksmen. And the mentality here, it, it, a lot of people push towards the gaming side of thing. And, t- and there's a distinction. You know, with the PRS NRL stuff, they're playing a game, right? And you can you can buy uh, equipment and you almost have to in order to be, um, you know, competitive. Nobody is coming to a class with a 308 saying, I want to be a rock star in the PRS. They've gotten some pretty tricked out rifles. They come in and then they want to learn what are the tips and tricks of addressing a barricade? What are the tips and tricks of moving in and out of position? And, you know, the rifle does a lot of work. And how we see that is when guys go to a 308, they just don't do as well. And that's why the 308s aren't competitive because it's, it's more about the equipment than honing the marksman. We're up in Alaska. We're honing marksmen. We're using their existing equipment. We're using their existing, uh, you know, scopes and optics, which, you know, by the lower 48 in a lot of cases are well below subpar. But then we're getting really, really good results out of it with them, you know. We're taking guys with Tika hunting rifles that after three, four rounds, they start to walk a little bit and we're getting them those first round hits going all the way out. So we're teaching them. We're also taking guys that aren't suited for prone and there's a lot out there and and in the past and, and and I've seen this before, even when I worked at Rifles Only, a guy reads about this, he, he does all this stuff, he's just not suited for prone shooting. Well, we put them on a bench, but we modify them. We don't let them shoot bladed on a bench. We don't let them. We build the position on a bench exactly like we would build a person's position in the prone. 
And that's a big, big deal that I'm finding, which I would have never gone. It's like, no, man, you came to this class to learn how to shoot like we do. We shoot like this. Where now, because of Alaska, I'm much more flexible as an instructor. And I think I'm much more wide ranging and dynamic when I can get, you know, like Jay, uh, when our last class, he's shooting, or I think it was an Aruger American or Mossberg or Ruger, but whatever it was, it was a really inexpensive hunting rifle style in 223. He's shooting, shooting Hornaday V Max. He's got a scope that I completely had to rip apart to put back together in order to fit him because it was not, the, the rings were cantilever. He didn't fit on the rifle. Well, I stripped the whole thing down. I flipped everything around. I mean, I literally pointed the cantilever rings at each other and set him up. This guy was hyper successful. What his goal was going to be was to go hunt prairie dogs. Are you going to shoot on a bench or off a vehicle? Yes. Okay. We're keeping you on a bench, but I'm changing your position. We turn the benches sideways. We turn the benches backwards. It depends whether they have a a piece in the front or not, but we don't let them shoot. The benches are traditional. They have that that square front, and then they blade to the left and right cutouts. We turn that around. We make them shoot squared up, straight, hips in front of the, uh, or, or shoulders in front of his hips. We move them forward, both elbows squared up on the bench. We adjust the height. We do everything. It's, it's, it's much different than what you see from a traditional bench shooter. This guy's got is one after another at 540 on an eight inch plate. I don't even think it was eight. It might have been six, but it it, uh, it was a you know I think it was a 45 percent ipsic. Who knows? But one after the other after the other. He's getting his hits at six. You know he's doing all that. Six was about the limit for accuracy for his rifle setup. But at 540, every single time he was on, he was on all the way inside. And we're able to work with these guys, even shooting a two-two-three in our class. You know, the 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 seven-all-eight was another was a hunting scope, three to nine hunting scope. Great Tika platform, but really pencil thin. The whole thing, and you know, I can get them all these good hits and stuff, but the scope completely runs out of elevation, like seven hundred yards. You know, so then we start mapping the holdovers for him. He got a first round hit at a thousand yard on a 12 inch wide Ipsic, you know, 66 percenter. And he's right there in the ballpark. So he's learning his equipment. He's much more confident now at the working ranges for his hunting rifle. And we still took him out to a thousand yards. We still stayed on him. We didn't do the, his rifle's not suited for this class. So we'll just kind of, you know, um, placate them. We give those guys every bit the attention of the people who do have rifles that are better suited for the class. We're not just sitting there and, and yeah, 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 you're fine or no, 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 you're this. I mean, there could be modif- modifications because he's shooting superformance, right? Hornaday superformance out of his Tico. He's shooting 708. It's not probably the best load for that rifle. It's a, it's a little bit, you know, the group size is a little big. But we realize if I get you in the first three rounds and I hammer you and we work out your details there, you're accurate. We can move you on. And we learn what that rifle likes and doesn't like. And so we work with it. So I'm I'm really psyched about those off guys, you know, that doesn't necessarily get addressed down here in the classes I've done in the past. 
but it gives me a better idea of what's the acceptable level for the PowerPoint presentation. I reduced it from six hours to four hours up there. I've streamlined the way I present the information. In the last class, it was like, okay, these guys are on a different level. They're doing things slightly different. Let's give them the basic information, but I'm not going off on tangents to talk about how you can apply these to a competition. None of these guys were interested in shooting competition. And it's a different dynamic. Like I said, you know, I, I had a uh, James who James was phenomenal helping us all out. Uh, James was a past student who became sort of our support staff in this block of classes. Thank you, James, for everything you did. Well, he had a peer, a guy who moved from Washington to Alaska, brought his PRS rifle up, MPA chassis, long barrel, heavy, 6.5 Creed, more, the whole thing. I put it on my tripod and I showed this class what the difference in this is, where I shot it without being behind it. I free recoiled it and I hit targets at a thousand yards, free recoiling this PRS rifle with the MPA chassis and my really right stuff tripod, okay? I can do that. I can not even touch the rifle, point it at the target, touch the trigger, and I can hit the target with it and show how equipment can make up that. There's no marksmanship involved. It's lining up the shot. It's letting this tripod and the rifle do the work, pressing the trigger without causing any influence, and boom, I hit the target twice. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, with, with their two out of two, I should say, not just two times, but two out of two, I hit the thousand yard target without touching the rifle. It's the same thing I did that video at 500 yards with the AI, with the class with Mike and I, okay? Equipment can do it. it it's when you put you into it where that influence has come into play. And you can teach people to minimize their influence, but are they truly marksmen? We're trying to build marksmen because here's the deal. They can always successfully move up, but can that guy successfully move back? And that's the kind of question that we're looking at. Yet, you know, that the, they, they may figure out how to let the rifle do their job and in, in, in get those hits and stuff, but I kind of question the understanding and it may come down to wind with those other calibers, but these guys are shooting inferior calibers with hunting rounds. I mean... We had a, a, a seven millimeter mag with core locks and this guy's getting hits to a thousand yards. You know what I mean? He's in the holdover mode. His scope couldn't handle it. But because it's that seven mag, we teach him to be more positive on the trigger in earlier on. Again, three to four rounds with that seven mag and that barrel's walking. Well, we you got to do it in the first round. So you got to be perfect, dude. You don't have time to make up for your mistakes. And they learn. We put him on a bench. We got him up and going. We learn so much from guys who don't have the interest in software and don't want to be bogged down with numbers. They just, what do I need to do? What are my shortcuts to get that one shot on the animal what, and extend my range from 100 to 200 yards to 200 and 500 yards? These guys are now accurate. And as William posted on her Facebook page, these guys are now accurate. To 500 yards. We had a past student took a, a Marco Polo sheep at 540 with his hunting rifle. He came to class with two shot hunting or one shot hunting rifle. It was a blazer break open. We doped this guy out. We took him all the way out to a grand. We got him out solid to 700 yards. 
540 yards on a Marco Polo sheet, something he never would have attempted. And now he has his long record shot. One shot, one kill, 540. Boom. This is all good. I mean, it, it really, really it is, is a eye-opener from an instructor standpoint when, when you look at this stuff. And, and I just want to kind of read a little bit, if I can find it, what James posted. Um, it, 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 you know, because James, like I said, was a past instructor and then uh, went a little bit further and now was helping us and was our was our support staff for all of these classes, took his own time off, did the whole thing and became, um, you know, our de facto support. And it helps because it lets us really, um, you know, work on the, the, the shooter. It, it, it lets us really, really help that shooter out. Let me see if I could find his post because I don't see it now. I don't know where he posted it. Um, Bummer. Hang on a minute. All right, so coming from a, a former student and then someone who got to observe us for the entire of uh, three sets of classes, this is James Drayton, and I want to thank him for the post he put on Facebook. And he writes, there's an old adage, those who can do, those who can't teach. In most realms, this holds true. All right, I'll start over. Damn fucking phone. Um, there's an old adage, those who can do, those who can't teach. In most realms, this holds true. After spending six days with 45 students in three classes of the Alaska Precision Rifle Course, in the case of Mark Taylor and Frank Alley, I can attest that nothing could be further from the truth. I observed the for forging of marksmanship fundamentals through pragmatic approach and correcting a shooter's learned bad habits. I witnessed remarkable improvements by a simple adjustment of body position and or equipment setting. This type of insight to the shooter rifle system isn't achieved through theory, attending, or teaching classes. It comes through context established by tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands of rounds from behind a gun as a shooter. Both Mark and Frank never hesitate to shoot in front of their students, regardless of the wep whose weapon it is. And when they do, they never fail to prove how high you can build a skill set if you commit yourself to the fundamentals as a foundation. Mark Taylor and Frank Galley's instruction and attentiveness to detail was transformational for those students. I learned more as an observer in those classes than I have elsewhere as a student. If anyone wants to better their ability to control not just a rifle, but also how to adjust the variables of shooting, contact, Alaskan precision rifle, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, I mean, we're making a lot of really minor and small adjustments on these guys. And we do, and, you know, at the end of the class, the last class, said this was mainly a hunter class we put clay pigeons at a thousand yards on the berm and mark sort of teasing the guys because you know like a mag through there was still a lot of clay pigeons they the, the hits weren't there and the right you know it's not really good so one of the guys um one of the head guys who who was a regional gm for this group had an rpr with a decent setup and i'm walking down the line and he says hey will you shoot my rifle it's like yeah, of course, jumped on the rifle, lined everything up. I don't know where he zeroed, what's going on, how, where he's been hitting. I, I actually hadn't been looking through the spotting scope. I was just going down and saying, don't get sloppy, that kind of deal, correcting them. When we let them shoot on their own, it's easier because they, they're not thinking it's class mode in a lot of ways. So now I come through and it's like, up, oh, you, you know, you're, you threw your position off now, up, oh, you're now tapping the trigger up oh, because they think we're not looking at them because it's more of a fun shoot. We're looking at him. So I jump on this rifle. I go over and 
you know, I, I looking at the conditions because the wind got the wind was up that day. It was a little tricky. Things were going on, and mainly they were losing by wind. You know, there is some vertical spread issues with some loads. I had one guy's rifle who had some pretty high vertical spread at a thousand. You'd hit high, you'd hit low, you'd hit high, you'd hit low, but the wind was like perfect. So you know that's kind of the round and the accuracy of that round and rifle. You know, it, it's it's that kind of deal. But in in the case of this rifle, I drop down, I go in, I see what's going on. I gave myself about a about a a clay pigeon and a half of wind. There was three tenths of wind, maybe four. Get in, lined up the shot, took my time, didn't rush it, made sure everything was good. Took that press, smashed the clay pigeon in the first shot. You know, then the next guy next to me is like, hey, shoot my rifle. Tika 308 hunting rifle. His scope maxed out elevation. I go over there, and now I don't know where he's at. I don't know anything. I know he has to hold over. So I'm playing with the holdover a little bit. About five rounds in, I have it. It's like, okay, there, there's, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I'm working with the spread. Six round, hit the clay pigeon. You know, with this 308, hold, running out of elevation, hunting round, Tika, the whole thing that's been heated up. And that's kind of what part of it is, is that it's walking a little bit. You can't just see the splash and move it over. You got to kind of figure out the, the the wander zone of this rifle. But he sees his rifle can hit the clay pigeon. After that, he comes running over to me about three, four rounds later. He hit the clay pigeon. It builds confidence in his equipment to see me shoot it and hit something. And then he shoots it and hits something. So it's all really good stuff. And, and it works out well for everybody. I, I was I was really happy with the end results of, of this class. Uh, you know, just fantastic all the way around. The, these guys came away better shooters. A little more time on the line. A little more time at 100 yards. Uh, streamlining that PowerPoint so they don't get vapor lock when when it's just too much information. And 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 that's partly my fault. I could be guilty of a little information overload. I'm going to look at the mile high classes too and maybe streamline that and have it be a case of let's do marksmanship fundamentals. Let's go back in and talk software. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. I'm actually re-looking at my PR2 class in Alaska because when I come back in July, I have PR1, PR2 back-to-back. I'm going to change PR2 based on a lot of lessons learned here. So um, it's going to be a different type of class for these guys. And, and I think that's going to make them better, more well-rounded shooters. And I'm looking for that. You can always, as long as you have this foundation, as long as you have the fundamentals, you can always learn the other disciplines. But if you don't have that foundation... You know, your choices are buying success and then, you know, hoping you can find out the tips and tricks of that particular game versus being able to adapt on your own in saying it's wind, it's range, it's fundamentals or wind trajectory fundamentals, WTF. You got to know that wind, understand your trajectory and what you're going to do with it. And then it comes down to the fundamentals of marksmanship. You get that you're going to hit everything. You know what I mean? Uh, also, a big follow-up. I brought the Valkyrie up. I got 200 rounds of the American Eagle up in Alaska. Then I got another 40 rounds of the 62-grain varmint that I found in a, in a sportsman's warehouse. A 75-grain American Eagle. I shot it down here, in which I zeroed up with. Got it up in Alaska. 200 rounds 
for $118. So still, a, you know, 50 cents a round, give or take. That Valkyrie is a hammer to about 600, man. It rocks. Now you could take it further. Seeing the hit is the hardest thing, man. It makes, it does not move anything. That 75 grain is going 2940 out of my rifle. It, it's hard to, to spot a hit after 600. But it's just a laser beam, man. I'm on it and on it and on it from every position. It just hammers them in there. Really good stuff. And with that 62 grain, I'm going to keep playing with some rounds because I know you can finesse it. And I'm waiting for that Hornaday 88 grain stuff to come out. Um, it's it's really, really good. Uh, you know, it, I, I'm digging on it. Where the problem's going to be coming in is can you spot the hits when you go out farther? I have taken it to 1,125 yards on my target. And if you listen to any of my videos, you know that target bongs. I only heard three out of like 10 hits at 1,125. And it's hard. You have to go down there and see it. It's 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 a scratch in the paint, man. You know, there, there's not a lot of energy, but the accuracy's still there. And boom, 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 just on it, shooting off the tripod, going on the thing. I, I was just digging how that Valkyrie worked. JP did a hell of a job. Looks like it's running a little bit dirty. I'm going to clean it up. But I got about 400, no, not 400, Um, about, about 350 rounds through it. It's about due to get wiped down and cleaned. It's, it's kind of dirtying up a little bit. But, I mean, not accuracy-wise, just function-wise. So, um, no, I'm... I'm definitely thrilled with the way that Valkyrie's working. I have a Night Force 4 to 16 on it. The Night Force are good. I got to give props to Night Force, man. It's becoming our no-brainer go-to scope. Mark's putting that SHV on these rifles. It's working out really well. With the guys bringing the, you know, the HST, and I know they're low budget, man. I know they're really inexpensive. The Vipers, we're getting a little bit of hit and miss with some of them. And, and we swapped a few few uh, scopes out, you know, um, not all Vortex, don't get me wrong. But when you're in that $800 range of them, it, it's it's becoming a little bit of a thing. So that SHV, I, I think the bottom line is with scopes nowadays, if you want any kind of reliability, it's $1,250 on up. You start going down below $1,250 and you start running into the batch kind of issues. Where some batches are really good, some batches are a little hit and miss. And that's just the way that the spec goes on them. And it's where the budget shifted. So, kind of need a sound booth here. Kind of need a sound booth here. But uh, anyway, it's, 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 it's just kind of our observations. And then those rings, man. Invest some money in decent rings. We're seeing, we're seeing the difference in them. Uh, you know, set up the scopes and everything in position. It's important to understand that eye relief. It's important to understand that when you move position, you back off the power to open up that eye box. But set the scope up with you in position. Don't just default to how you got it if somebody put it together for you or what's going on. Make sure you know where your head is supposed to be indexed on it. You have to, it's sight alignment, sight picture, right? And, and that used to kind of say, Iron sights, align the, you know, the front and rear sights up, get your good cheek weld and do all that. But the cheek weld definitely still matters, but you got to build that up. A couple guys on those hunting rifles, you know, they, they had to float their head when they move position. 
And so we're, that's why we duct taped. That's why we built them up because they're, they're, when they moved, even from a bench, they were floating their head a little bit with the height of those uh, rings they got and build that cheek piece up, especially with those hunting style rifles and everything. We get spoiled because we have the adjustability and the expensive equipment and things like that. But when you don't have it, you you got you got to solve that problem with rifle setup. You have to get comfortable behind that rifle. You know, with that adage of the rifle doesn't care if you're comfortable, well, you do. So make sure you do your part and you get that comfort level going with with the rifle. Um, super important, you know, and and that's what we're finding. The more comfortable we take time to set these guys up and get them more comfortable, even with their hunting rifles and on a bench or whatever that thing is, it's it's paying dividends in the end. They're not being distracted. They're not uh, struggling. And we did see it with a few guys where it was a bit of a struggle because they're either low bipods or whatever, you know, bringing guys up with the bipod height and getting them off their forearms to their elbows really matters. You know, that little bit of extra height in the prone, two clicks up is is mattering. It, it's, it allows them to shoot longer. It allows them to shoot more accurate. It allows them to stop thinking about, gee, my neck's not feeling too great, you know, because they're laying on top of the rifle. You don't have to lay on top of the rifle. You can get that rifle up a bit. And I think we get spoiled in, in the game aspect of it because we're moving in and out of position so quickly. We're just slamming down on the ground. You know, we're laying on top of the rifle. We're laying on top of the bag. We're getting our two, three shots off and we're moving to the next position. So we're not setting up the shot, you know, because we know the rifles are that good. But, you know... If you're in the prone, and this will help with the ELR guys, you know, if you're shooting ELR, if you can get that rifle set up better to you, if you can get all of that stuff adjusted better to you and not take it and just say, well, this is what I know, you know, the context of a six millimeter in the PRS and trying to translate that to a 375, you know, with a big old heavy thing, if you set it up for success, get yourself higher, get yourself set up better. Get yourself lined up and use those marksmanship principles. I think you'll see some better results at the ELR distance because there's still guys laying on top of those rifles. There's still guys with those really high rail systems. Instead of going with the high compromise cheek, and I mean they're compromising sight alignment and sight picture. That's a fundamental. They're compromising. They're compromising their cheek weld. You know that's one of those seven elements and things like that. And instead of Hey man, this is a compromise. Charlie Charlie Taco unit on the front to keep my cheek well. They're building up something. There is no way you can be marksmanship successful when you have a nine inch friggin' rail on or you know base on your scope to point it down or a six inch, whatever the height is. If 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 it's over six tenths of an inch, you're compromised. You don't have a cheek that high, and even when you do, it's now not in your shoulder pocket correctly. There's no way you can tell me that's fundamentally successful. That's trying to. You might as well put the rifle on a tripod and free recoil it. You know, get a crux ordnance, put the rifle on a tripod, free recoil the damn thing, and let it do the job because that's what you're essentially doing. You're so far compromised behind it. You're lining up the shot and and then you're hoping that you're not influencing the rifle enough 
because all you're doing is trying to lay on top of the rifle, line up the shot somehow, and then do it. It's It doesn't have that marksmanship. You're not getting that recoil management. There's just a lot wrong in that picture. And so if we start to apply these principles to the other disciplines and say, well, I have to make an adjustment on my equipment. I have to make an adjustment on how I'm lined up. I have to make these adjustments. That's what's kind of going on, right? You know what I mean? This is this is marksmanship. I'm not teaching, you know, I'm teaching a similar thing across the board, but in context of each of these guys. But these principles translate. We're explaining your head, your scope, your stock, your finger. The trigger finger for all these guys is identical. You know what I mean? The, the hand position back into the shoulder pocket. All that's the same regardless of their position. So we're making sure they're not compromised on trigger control. We're making sure they follow through. You know, we had one guy with the semi-auto. He wasn't following through. Got some double taps. No, man, you got to follow through. You got to get that trigger reset. You got to do that. We're harping on him. You got a semi-auto. You got to follow through. That double tap is you getting bit slapped by a 308. You know what I mean? We're making sure they understand that because everybody wants to tap the trigger and let the rifle do the work, right? Fuzz is itchy. It's hot out. Let him itch. Up. Mr. Fuzz here, man. He's all saying, I'm itch pants. Says, I'm, he has allergies. We have to give him shots and serums and stuff because uh, he has skin allergies when we got him. Had to go through all that crap. But uh, no, man, all good stuff. This is this is this was a great learning experience, and there's a lot to take away from this type of training. It's not just you know game specific training. Come in, come out. I mean, you watch some of these videos. You know, they're attaching the bags and the different things to their rifles. They're going in and knocking out a barricade in seconds now because they're they're learning. Don't influence the rifle. Let this equipment just just sock in to the barricade. And all they're doing is lining up the shot and trying to, as light as possible, not minimize or, you know, to minimize the contact with the rifle. And it's hitting the target. Well, it, it, yeah, it's like a 2 MOA target at 400 yards. Well, I can put my rifle on the tripod, point it in that direction and just press, the, you know, make a U with my finger and hit the target. So is it really just a skill set or is it really letting the equipment do the work for them? Yes, they know how to move in and out of position, but what they're learning is how not to influence the rifle under these unsteady conditions rather than building a position and becoming that kind of well-rounded marksman. It's just part of the game. I'm not taking it away from them that way. I know they're good shots, a lot of them in, in, in that, but it's a context thing, you know? So anyway, I'm going to uh, let it go there. Uh, we got, you know... Sunday back, getting decompressed. I'll jump in uh, tomorrow. Thank you again to everybody up in Alaska. Thank you for the lodge and everything going on there. I'm going to go into Mile High and get with Mike. I'm going to uh, try to get this. I know he's got some good stuff on the on the books that he's been writing down and planning. So I'll, I'll go and push him to go and let you guys hear what he's talking about. But I think it'll be some good stuff. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Later.